Warning, you are now listening to Up in Flames. We up in flames, yeah. We up in flames, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Let me hear it, Lambo. We up in flames. We up in flames. We up in flames. Yeah, we up in flames, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We up in flames, yeah. Yeah, uh, we up in flames, hold on, uh, check this go. We up in flames, yeah, uh, we up in, uh, yeah, yeah, we up in flames, yeah. Woo. We up in, uh, yeah, we up in flames, we up in flames. All right, welcome everyone to Off the Ball Network Mondays here on Dash Radio on the Nothing But Net channel. I am your host, Mo Murphy, of the Up at Flame show here on Dash Radio on the Nothing But Net channel. And I have a special guest with me. But before we give him the floor, didn't Steven just put on a great show? And then you guys are going to have another show to look forward to. So stay tuned in after mine. But let's just get right into the guest I got. I got Danny B. For all you Knicks fans out here, this has been a show I've been, you know, that's kind of been in the works for some weeks, if not a couple, you know, the past month and a half. I've been wanting to talk to this guy because of his breakdown on the New York Knicks and the, the love of his Knicks and the fact that New York City basketball is great again, which makes the NBA obviously at his greatest peak again. And we saw that I had to have him on. So Danny B, the co-host of Knicks Corner, but you guys probably mostly know him from the morning drive after every Knicks game, Danny B, what's going on, bro? What's up, man? Mo, I appreciate you for having me here, man. Um, I'm blessed, dude. I'm doing good. How is everything by you? Yeah, everything's good, bro. You know, I, I I appreciate having you on. You know, I've been looking forward to this episode today. I've been, you know, I've been, I've been stoked about having you on all day and to talk everything Knicks and to put perspective for everybody. I'm not a Knicks fan, so this isn't like the love of the show and my team, but this is a good aspect from another guy who loves his team, loves his city, and ultimately just talk about the Knicks because this was a great season this past year, and I think ultimately it was about the Knicks. So before we get into the New York Knicks, Danny B, I have a I have a theory on why the Knicks were so successful this year. I've shared it with some Knicks fans. They've had their thoughts, and you're, the floor is yours to disagree, and I want to get your thoughts on it. So here's my theory on why the Knicks were so successful and I do think they can build on this. So I don't think this was a fluke year. I think this was a year to build on. But right. I look at the New York Knicks. I look at how they're built. I look at their coach. And I look at the, the plethora of young talent they got from R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, Julius Randle still. He's about to hit his prime. So obviously they're young. They do have a Derrick Rose. Ended up getting a Taj Gibson. But I think the Knicks were so successful this year because they bought in to the regular season. We see the Knicks had zero expectations when we talk about playoff success, championship success. It was more so how can we build? They're, they're in the middle of a rebuild. So how can we build and start toward the road to being a championship contending team? And so I look at everybody there. They brought in to me the right coach. Maybe he's not the right coach five to six years from now when that talent fully develops. I don't know if Tibbs is the guy, but I look at, they bought into the regular season. We see the Lakers, we see the Clippers, uh, we see the Nets. All these guys with superstars, they're more playing out the regular season, 
you know, sitting out games due to a little bit of banged up to buy into the postseason and making that championship run where everything rolled on the New York Knicks night in and night out. And you saw that night in and night out. Julius Randle, an MVP candidate, an all-NBA player, Emmanuel Quickly, a rookie who had, to me, a heck of a rookie year. If it wasn't for LaMelo Ball, he was right behind LaMelo, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, and even Anthony Edwards. He was right there in that conversation, probably a top five rookie uh, this season. So my thing is they bought into the regular season, and these are young guys who don't have bad habits yet who were able to buy in a system led by Coach Tom Thibodeau. So I feel like would they have been successful with a bunch of veterans? I don't think so because it would have been guys who is my way or the highway, but Tibbs was able to come in with his system, obviously preached defense, and the Knicks were one, if not number one, the number two defense in the NBA throughout the regular season. So I think that's why they were so successful because they bought into the regular season, unlike some of these championship teams in, in Yes, there were injuries and stuff, but I don't want that to take away from anybody's success. Obviously, the Milwaukee Bucks won. People want to throw injuries out. But I look at the Knicks. They bought into the regular season. Any team that buys into the regular season and looks at every game, they almost played every game like it was a game seven. So what do you think about the Knicks ultimately buying into the regular season and that kind of be the the key factor on why they were so successful in the regular season? All right. So I definitely have to agree. That's definitely one piece of it for sure but it's just one piece, right? So I wrote an article for like the last like two, two, three weeks, right? It kind of just like collecting my thoughts on the season and taking a look back, right? And it, I, there's so many factors that went into it. Like it wasn't just one piece, like you said, you know, um, and, and it definitely played into it. They absolutely bought into the regular season, but it was more than that. They bought into a new culture. They bought into winning. They bought into defense. They bought into um, – uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not only just responsibility, but um, being able to hold yourself accountable, you know, and self-accountability. Um, these are all the things that went into it. Um, and it's more than that. And it, it hit at the right time because not only did you just have a new coach come into play, but you had a whole new front office. So it, it was really a, like we were remodeling the Knicks, you know what I mean? And everybody bought into not just the regular season, but the entire picture, the whole the whole thing, you know what I mean? We're buying into being able to win every game. We're buying into setting a, a culture. I think really that was the underlying factor is that everybody knew that this team and the guys that were brought in were brought in to be and do specific you know roles and play certain key um, elements in throughout the season. It was just set the culture and make it a winning culture. And it's, it's funny, right, because there's a ton of guys in Nick's Twitter – just in general. And there's a bunch that feel one way, a bunch that feel another way about playing certain guys over other guys and things of that nature. Right. But right. we can get into the little, you know, nitty gritties of that, but I, I want to kind of zoom out because the reason that it played out the way that it did with the mix of guys like, um, you know, Taj and, and older guys, I mean, Julius, you know, he's, he's a vet at this point, you know what I mean? Um, you know, it, there was a lot of, there was a mix, you know what I mean? Of older guys and younger guys. Obviously we all know who the younger guys are. Cause those are the ones that are kind of, um, you know, igniting that star power. You see Emmanuel quickly coming out and making a big name for himself. You know, um, RJ Barrett obviously is another guy who's definitely underrated. I feel like he gets a lot of hate from other, you know, squads around the league, but, um, he's in my eyes, if you just look at his gameplay game over game and his numbers, he's only getting better and he's young. You know what I mean? He, uh, just just turned 21. So got plenty of ways to go up, but I feel like it's just so much more than that, man. It's like 
the whole front office was just reset, right? You got the new coach coming in who's got a reputation, got a winning record coming with him, and he's all about defense. And he likes he likes to ride certain guys, right? So we saw him ride his guys earlier in the season, the RJ and um and Randall both, you know, were the top three, I think, within minutes played per game throughout the entire season. I think it fluctuated a couple of times. Um, so he rides guys. He had a reputation. And I think just everybody bought in to change what already has been, right? So you had a lot of guys that came back from the year before, guys like Peyton, guys like Reggie Bullock, um, you know, Taz eventually, yes, um, Randall, RJ, Mitch, you know what I mean? Like these are all guys that were there last year and went through the whole Fisdale thing to the Miller thing, and they went through the losing season. Right. So everybody already had the taste of that. Guys like Randall, who came in, who had something to prove. Guys like Bullock, who's consistently trying to keep proving himself. Um, Burks, who's coming in. And you know what I mean? There's a lot of guys that come into the play and they're all fighting for one thing. So now you unite all of these guys around this idea and you get them all, um, you know, rallied around the idea of defense first. And that's that's the culture. You're 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 called when your number's called, you're going in to do a certain role and that's it. You know what I mean? And that and, and it's. It's across the board, and there was so much common ground, common respect for that ideal, and that's what everybody bought into. So, yes, they definitely bought into the regular season, but it's because they bought into everything else also, right? So you saw the results of it play out, you know, and I think that we made it so far with what we had. You know what I mean? Reggie Bullock was a, was our starting guard on, on this team. You know what I mean? It's like any other team, he's coming off the bench. You know, right. like he got such production out of everybody from Burks, from Bullock, um, up down th- through the roster. You know, guys like Gibson, guys like Rose. When Rose came over, his three percent, uh, his three point percentage went through the roof. You know, and um, it's just it, consistency, and it's funny because we were just mentioning how Tibbs likes to, you know, ride his guys and play his guys, and he was riding guys like Randall, guys like Barrett, and then throughout the season, you get a guy like Gibson who comes over, who's been with Taj, you know, through Minnesota, through Chicago, same with Rose then, you know, a couple months later, um, who's been with him throughout the journey. And all those guys, that, that reunion, there's just so much energy that's going on and built throughout the season. And they were taking steps and and building off of that next step and taking the next one the whole season. You know, they would make mistakes and then they would make less mistakes and then they wouldn't make them. And then they would pop up from here to there, but they would you saw the consistency of the play. You know, and I think that by the time that the season, the end of the season came, we came into the playoffs. I think that we had put out so much and it took so much for everybody to get where they where they were. You know, it's just like it's only so much you can get with a certain roster, you know, so definitely upgrades that need to be made. And uh, I feel like I'm kind of segueing into the next area, which is like, you know, what types of upgrades would you want to see? And from your type of perspective, man, like what what do you feel that the Knicks need to change to make that next step and and stay building off of it instead of taking you know a step back or right so you know first off i have to give you credit for that breakdown of the season this is why i had to have you on and listen, just- i talk too much so at times and i say this all the time so listen interrupt me you know what i'm saying go off of what i'm saying i'll go around in circles and, and go on tangents man so it's good like it's not <laughs> it's not just your avid love for the knicks it's your realistic you know your realism because people like to throw the Knicks fans and say, "Oh, they're unrealistic." All fans are unrealistic. When 100%. a fan is really successful, they they buy into jumping too early on on the what the ultimate success of the team could be. So Knicks are emphasized because it's the city of New York. The the media, 
you know, some of these guys like to cover the Knicks and, and they get big time with it or they get a little ahead of themselves. But it, right. the emphasis is on the Knicks because it's the city of New York. It's the media capital of America. That's, that's it right there. That's it, man. That's literally that's it. Yeah. So all eyes are on you guys because I'm going to be honest. Like, I've never been – it's not about not being a fan of the Knicks. I'm a huge fan of the NBA. I love good basketball. But same, I've never – like, in to Nick's Twitter and Nick's culture as fans and what it looks like on social media until this year, obviously getting with a bunch of guys on the network. They're all from New York. You know, a lot of them are huge big time Knicks fans. So so to see that perspective is like, well, they're not necessarily any different than anybody else, but everybody likes to trash the Knicks fans because they haven't been that successful. So it's like, it comes with the territory, man. You know, it just does. Love your team for why? How do you have so much love and you don't have that much success? Well, you know that pride of being from that city is different when you're from a big time city like New York, as opposed oh, yeah. to some of these smaller markets. In a sense, that pride for your city, the Giants, the Knicks, you know, the Mets or the Yankees. Like, there's even you're a Jets fan or you're a Giants fan. You're a Mets fan or a Yankees you fan. You can even take sports out of it. Like, people are just proud of being of being from, from New, New York. York. Or even, or even you, you know, you migrated from wherever, and now you're you're yeah. just chilling in New York, like, and that's your spot. Like, people take ownership of it almost. You know what I mean? Like, oh man, like I came from here and I'm here now. Like, like this is my city. You know what I mean? Like, pe- that's just how it goes. You know what I mean? So it's like it's, it's, it's you're big. right, dude. That, yeah, it compounds on it. And that love is just big time. So it adds to the fandom of any sports teams. So as far as like what I think y'all should do in the off season. There's a guy who's been linked to Knicks and trade rumors, and it's Colin Sexton. Mm -hmm. I think that's – when I look at the Knicks and I look at what they were missing, matching up against the Atlanta Hawks, to me, what they did in the regular season was great, but now I got to look in the playoffs. Why did they lose this playoff series? Because that's where you build. You don't necessarily build on the failures or or success of your regular season. You look in the playoffs and say, well, why did I fail? Why did I not get to the next round? And I look – Trey Young was able to do with Atlanta against the Knicks, and I felt like the Knicks just didn't have a guy to counter that. Yes, there's a whole bunch of factors. We could say Julius Randle didn't come up big. Um, you know, he didn't play like he did in the regular season, which is perfectly fine. This was probably his biggest moment in the playoffs ever. I mean, he was a star team on a really good team coming into the playoffs. That's a big moment for a guy who's never really been there at that kind of moment. So yep. I look at Colin Sexton, and I think he's very key to what the Knicks can build off of. Obviously, Derrick Rose is only going to be a year older. Emmanuel quickly coming off a really good rookie season, but there's also this sophomore slump thing that we tend to see in a lot of players. It's in all sports, football, basketball, depending on position. And We're talking about a point guard. So, like, a point guard has to be able to run the offense. And I know people have dug so deep into analytics to discredit what Colin Sexton could do and not factor the fact he's in a bad organization. Right, he's exactly. with the team that doesn't know what winning is since LeBron James left. And yep. so now you put him into New York, who has an established culture. You have a, an aggressive coach like Tibbs, who was like, the minute if Colin Sexton gets there, Tibbs is going to, this is my system and you buy into it. And he's going to have a plan for where Sexton fits. And yep. I think what you were missing last season was a guy who could counter Trey Young, a guy who could go bucket for bucket with Trey Young. You, you ended up not having that. You needed a plethora of guys to step up. Whether and it was not even Bur- that. And not even just that. Like, mm-hmm. it's so much more than that. Like, all right, so we, we didn't have a player that stepped up to stop Trey Young, right? Like, you just said that. Okay, so why don't we recognize that? Why don't why doesn't Tibbs just, just 
change the strategy up. You know what I mean? Like change the right. play up. Like you could sit, you could send screen after screen after screen. You could just do what you know what I'm saying? Like there's so many different things mechanics wise that you could do in terms of just trying to get them into different spots. Same way that I look at it as they did to, to Julius Randle. You know what I mean? Like I don't think it was just Randle, you know, with his shooting percentage, just not hitting. I think it was so much more that Atlanta really knew with the spots that, that he liked and forced him to shoot in different spots. And maybe it was a foot off right. from that, where he usually goes or a couple inches even like, but that still throws you off. And now your brain is thrown off. Everything's thrown off. So I just feel like they did so much better in terms of adjustments. And that was one thing that I was looking so forward to going into the playoffs was seeing what Tibbs uh, adjustments would look like. You know what I mean? And he really didn't have too many. So I was kind of, I guess let down a little bit, you know, I feel like we just got here. So now it's like, you should be laying everything on the floor. You know what I mean? In terms of trying different things and seeing what happens, like, and there wasn't too many adjustments. And then I feel like all of a sudden he made, he made all of them at once. You know what I mean? And it, right. It just didn't work out, but you're absolutely right. When you get to the playoffs, it's a whole nother game. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's not regular season at all. That's, that is why talking about the playoffs, that's why I felt like the Knicks, the way they were built in their six, the reason of their success in the regular season was why I felt like I didn't think the Knicks were built on a championship run, but I don't think fans thought that either. Mm. Like a first round playoff victory was ultimate success for a team that really everybody counted out. I mean, people had them ranked as what the 15th best team in the East. One of the four 20 something wins, man. Come on. Yeah. Like a lottery, a lottery team again, just to turn around, and I know the Knicks have had like some disappointment in lottery. You know, you, th- there was a possibility of they could land the number one pick to get Zion. It didn't happen, and I know like the media likes to build up the Knicks. So then oh, yeah. they start. You see it enough, you buy into the hype, and you're like, oh my god, we got the number one pick. We got Zion. Then of course you you have to battle as a Knicks fan with, you know, this offseason particularly. Well, this player's linked here. This player's linked to the Knicks. This player is coming here. Oh, my. Oh, you know, they have a possibility of getting Dame Lillard. They have a possibility of, you know, Kawhi would be intrigued by the Knicks if they got another player. And it's like it's tough to deal with because Mm -hmm. you're trying to focus on how can we make our team better? But then the media is pumping out. Well, what about what if Dame and Kawhi basically dream scenarios for any franchise? It's not just about the Knicks. The Dame and Kawhi addition in the offseason is a dream scenario for all 30 teams in the NBA. If any team could add Damon Kawhi to what they have, whatever that may be, realistic. Yo, this is where you got to use those sound effects, man. Like that's a that's a bomb right there. You know what I mean? Like you got to be dropping those, bro. Yo, there we go. All right, all right. Those it'd be one of those like you. It would be a dream scenario. So you see the Knicks, and it's like okay. Like I look at Colin Sexton. I think for the price that he has, I think he makes the most sense. Because you talk about, okay, well, Dame to New York. Well, I know Knicks fans are in love with R.J. Barrett. I know they're Mm -hmm. in love with the the possibility of progression for Emmanuel quickly, which you should be. When you play that good as a rookie, You typically it's only up from here. He hasn't hit bottom, and I don't expect him to. When you play that good as a rookie, it's up from here. So you think about the package it would cost to trade Dame, and you're like, you know it's going to cost you R.J. Barrett and probably Emmanuel quickly. And the love that you have and the development that you saw in this past season – why would I want to get rid of that? Yes, Dame would make us really good now. But I think seeing from Knicks fans that they're not necessarily intrigued by Dame to New York would be that it's a self-realization that we're not necessarily a championship team yet. I think right. getting Dame is a championship move. Where as far as winning a first-round playoff, like you don't go from 
getting to the playoffs, not winning a first round, to ultimately a championship team unless you just absolutely load your roster. 100% so, right. I don't see it. I don't see it being that way, which is fine because you add Colin Sexton. Now you're like, okay, we match up with Miami really well. We probably have the advantage. We match up with Atlanta really well. We might have the advantage. So now you're talking about a first round series win. And now you're talking about a tough out for a championship team. Being considered in a playoffs a tough out for a championship team is a great predicament to be in. And that was a, you know, I had the Knicks beating the Hawks. I really did. Defense. I think a lot of people did, man. And and I'm like I said, I'm not a fan of either team, but I just look at how the Knicks played, and I'm like, they're number one. They're, the the best thing they do is play defense. We mm-hmm. talk about the office of numbers, and and but the best thing they do is play defense. And so ultimately, I'm like, what gets the most success in the playoffs? And is defense. Yep. And so I look and I watch the game. I watch every game, and I'm just seeing they really played really good basketball. There's they some. Did. Some adjustments. Obviously, when your team doesn't win a championship, you're going to pick the small things. Where can we improve? Of course. But the to me, what they were missing was just a, a flat out score. They didn't mm-hmm. need a facilitator. Julius Randle could facilitate from the elbow on. You could get him the ball. He could facilitate to the guards for wide open shots, and we were seeing that. But I just think they needed that flat out score. Derrick Rose stepped up and was that guy. Oh yeah. Derrick Rose, who's not in his prime, who's not necessarily in the best years of his career, what he did was tremendous in the playoffs. But I think a young guy like Colin Sexton, especially with a young core, R.J. Barrett, quickly, Obi Toppin, Julius Randle, who's probably about to get paid by the New York Knicks, well-deserving if he mm-hmm. can capitalize off of a big season with another big season, another All-NBA appearance, I think he'll earn the money with the Knicks. But that's a very young core with when you talk about outside of the one-year deals, the Derrick Rose is a free agent, Todd Gibson, and you just look at as quickly as Toppin, it's Julius Randle, it's R.J. Barrett, it's um, uh, Mitchell Robinson at center. Those are the guys that the the future of the organization is pieced around. So if I can add yeah. Collins next in there, he's the same age as some of these guys. A little bit older than quickly, but a little bit younger yeah. than Russell. 22, right? Yeah, he's 22. I think about to be 23 at the start of next season. So he fits perfectly in what the Knicks are trying to do and what they were missing for the age. And I don't think his price tag is going to be as steep as bringing Dame time to New York because yeah, no way. what I will say is Dame time in New York, Knicks fans might not love it, but Dame will love it because, I mean, look, he got a music career. He's Damian Lillard. He shoots from the parking lot. He's going to New York where the media is big time. Yeah. He'll with Jay-Z, he'll probably link with, you know, some of the biggest moguls that come from, you know, New York City. And it will be a great business move from New York, but I think, or for Dane, but I think if he's looking to win the championship, I don't think that should be the number one team on his list. Right. Unless Dame and Kawhi could get there. Now that changes the whole aspect. You got a Dame, Kawhi, Julius Randle, big three. Mind blown. That's a championship right. team in my eyes. So when I talk about the offseason, my guy is Colin Sexton that I would say the Knicks should look at. Who's the one or two guys that you really think like we need to key in on in this offseason to build on the success we had last season? So this this offseason for the Knicks, I feel like is the first time that we don't have to be desperate, right? Like we don't we don't have to go all in on people like Dame. You know what I mean? Because of what we just did last season. So right. like I said, we we reset a whole new culture. Like the culture is clear, I think, right? So somebody like you who's not a Knicks fan, right? You're not big into like Knicks Twitter and this and that. Like, would you not say like what we just did after this, as long as we continue to do so from next season on, changed the culture? 
yeah, from I a think losing it, culture to somewhere where we now are known for something else. I think it's I think the culture is set. So now you have something to build off of. That's why I think the Knicks are in a good spot coming into this offseason, two first round picks, which we'll get into that in a second. But then yep. a lot of cap space. That's a big deal. New York is going to sell itself. The problem was there wasn't necessarily a culture for veterans or whatever to decide, yeah, I'm going to play with the Knicks. Obviously, we've seen Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. We've seen a lot of guys linked to the New York Knicks, but there wasn't mm -hmm. a culture there. So it's like, well, why would I go there? Yes, you could go there as a superstar and create the culture, but you know, there were a lot of some internal things going on with the Knicks that just didn't make it seem like a the lot greatest of little things. But now a culture is set. I know what I'm getting myself into as a free agent going to New York. I know the possibilities it could do for me as an individual and yep. the money I could bring in individually, the endorsements is going to bring. Cause that's a big time, big part of basketball now is endorsements is playing a part in Dude, guys. Defense. Look at LeBron. He just exactly. made a killing, man. He's the first, exactly. first active NBA player to hit a Billy. And I think it was, what, over $300 million from basketball and $700 million from endorsements and extracurricular activities, right? I mean, come on. You know, yeah. that's uh, it's it's huge. So being in somewhere like New York City, it's only going to be able to, to, you know, help you emulate that and, and become the next guy that's going to be hitting numbers like that, you know? Next I just think that's the, the – yeah. Great is, uh, I guess you could say, a championship team is great. But the Knicks being this big time in this past season goes to show you basketball was a great season this year. And it I think part of it, I always said when the Knicks are really good, when you look at some of the best years of the NBA, when the Knicks are really good, the NBA is really good. They're just right, that right. market of a team. It's just that kind of city. And it's just that kind of fan base. When they're dialed in, they get the rest of the fan bases going because oh, – yeah. Like, well, they're loving basketball. It's crazy in New York City. And, I mean, I, you know, you went to a playoff game real quick before we go into the draft. What was yeah, that yeah, yeah. like? Knicks being in the playoffs, what was that oh. atmosphere like being at a game? Insane. First of all, to be at a Knicks playoff game alone was insane. All right, I'm going to even take it further. Being at an event alone at that time was insane because it was just as things were opening back up. Right, so everybody's been cooped up in the house. We've been watching basketball in a truncated, uh, you know, season. Games every other day, back to back to one day mm -hmm. off. You know, what I'm saying it was just nonstop, and all of a sudden, then things start opening up, and you could actually go and support those teams. So it just brought a whole nother level, man. And, you know, I was talking about this with uh, Julito McCollum uh, from The Wire uh, last week. He's a big Knicks fan, and uh, we were saying that this exact thing. You know, is that it's. It's really just more than that, you know, like it's everybody has been out and, you know, like and down and out. And there's been a lot of crazy things going on just in the world itself. And we're finally starting to get back out and we're all rallying around a winning team that hasn't won in, you know, eight years, been to this spot in eight years. So I feel like it just elevated everything, man. Like when I first got there off the train, it was Nick chance everywhere. Let's go Knicks everywhere everywhere so the second i got there then we I, I literally got into the building i had my ticket scan all that i get upstairs there's wolf clyde frazier walking down the hallway mvp mvp people chanting his name back and forth it was insane and I, let me ask you a question did you see any of the videos after the game that came out of like the hundreds of people out front of msg and, and shutting the streets down and yes so I, that? I saw We'll go back to the regular season. One of the first crazy videos I saw was one of our uh, network's very own Mario posted a video after a Yo, regular season triple game. M. How, yeah, triple it. How crazy it was. And that was a regular season game. So I knew in my mind, I said, oh, man, 
if they doing this in the regular season, and, and you got to think about it, the fandom was a little bit crazier on all aspects because, like you said, it was a crazy year. We're coming off yeah. of a fire season that started back up with no fans. We were in the regular season through some point with no fans. So as fans are coming back, the fandom of your team is even crazier. But then the Knicks are good, and they're allowing fans back in. And then I saw the playoffs, and I saw you. I, I, I saw some videos of you. I saw videos of my own guy, uh, Edgar. He, mm -hmm. he posted a couple videos, and it was like the, the atmosphere in Madison Square Garden, it was alive again. And it almost yep. felt like – because I get to look on the outside looking in. I'm not a Knicks fan. Right, right. It was it was like basketball was alive again. Basketball felt right. Knicks oh, yeah. the playoffs and, and a huge game, key shots being made in Madison Square Garden and the atmosphere and an environment that matters. I'm looking, I'm like, basketball just feels right. They're playing the Hawks. When you think about it, two teams who were counted out in the beginning of the season oh, are yeah. against each other, and they're playing in Madison Square Garden. And two teams with chips on their shoulders, that I know that atmosphere had to be crazy. So before before we uh, I, we'll, we'll touch back up on it, but I do want to talk about the draft real quick. Y'all do have two first round picks. What what is what are some prospects? Whether you dove deep into the draft or not, but just some guys that you're looking at that like they could help the New York Knicks immediately as rookies. If you don't give up either of those picks in a trade for another player that could instantly help, what are a couple guys or, or just some guys that you look at and be like, they can help the Knicks today? Definitely. I will definitely touch on that. But I want to just at least I, I just want to leave leave with one thing. Right. So the funny thing is about like you just said, right, the Hawks and the Knicks, two teams that are just, you know, just coming up both in, in almost similar positions, you know, the Hawks maybe a year ahead, which they literally are, you know what I mean? They literally loaded up at the end of the year before. So a um, little bit more likely that they, but either way. So, right. The funny thing is the last, the, uh, the Knicks last game when COVID shut down was against the Hawks. Right. And so it's like, it almost kind of, it, I, I just feel like, cause I was, like I said, I was writing an article, you know, over the last couple of weeks and kind of, I was just looking at like where do I start, and it was just funny because I'm I'm thinking like wow you know that was that was what ended the COVID season, and then we circled back around you know like we had a couple games with them during the season, and then we had this intense you know playoff battle you know what I mean, and I feel like we definitely kind of cemented a little bit of a rivalry you know what I mean I know that word's definition you know could get expounded on, but there's something there you know what I mean something That's whatever you want to call it is in the playoffs. That's where rivalries get made. That's what I'm saying. Hundred percent. The disrespect, I, but and a guy like Trey Young too. You know what I'm saying? Like he's living it. Like he loves yes. he loves that role. You know, yes. and then, or at the, least he looks like it. It was a it was a chippy series. You seen uh, what full blown fights? You know, it wasn't a replay of no, there, were, yo, there was a couple was, chippy. Was there some chippy southern. Fights. You saw some like okay, going into uh, the end of the third quarter. You see some guys push. You know, you seen Trey Young get pushed. You seen Julius Randle not take no. Threw the ball right at him, man. It was a bunch of ball right at Trey. It was a chip. It was probably the most chippy series of the playoffs. You just seen like a developed hatred for both teams, but I think it was also a mutual respect at the same time because I think both teams know they had a chip on their shoulders coming in, and it wasn't no slight to New York. It wasn't no slight to Atlanta, but it's like we both got something to prove, and now like. They were able to prove that, and it just happened to be – it had to be against each other. Who got the most to prove? And we're bringing that chip on our shoulder with both teams. They collide. It gets real chippy in the Madison Square Garden. I mean, let's just be honest. Y'all y'all, y'all, spare no victims at the end nah, of the day. Y'all spare no old, man. 
Yeah, you step, into, you step into Madison Square Garden. You, you, you might not make it out alive. It takes the strong and the strong will. So, like I said, the draft is coming. It's around the corner. The New York yeah, Knicks. Yeah, yeah. Let's touch first on round picks, what are Who are some guys that you're like, I want that guy no matter what? Whether it would be looking like we would have to trade up for that guy, but is there just yeah, one yeah. of the guys that stand out to you where, like, I need him. He fits what we got building so far. All right, so I'm I'm not one of those guys that like go deep into the draft. I'm definitely I, I will eventually, and I'm definitely going to actually this weekend because I'm definitely going to look to um have a little. I don't know if you're well on, you're on Twitter. Obviously, you see like the spaces that people have been hosting. I've been doing those like every couple of weeks and just getting a whole bunch of Knicks fans in there and just bouncing different ideas and stuff. So I figure I'll probably do one early next week about um the draft itself. So mm-hmm. I'll do some research this week. I started to anyway today, being that I figured that me and you were going to talk all. So, um, so real quick, man, um, the Knicks got the 19 and the 21st pick in the first round. And then we also have the 32nd and the 58th pick in the second round. Right. So we got we got some things to play with. Um, there's definitely a handful of people out there, because obviously when you're talking um, about drafting, you want to look at a whole group of guys because, you know, obviously some teams might take one guy because of their needs. Some guys might take another. They might not. You know, like maybe people just go with who's the best guy on the board available at the time. Like that's who I'm taking. You know what I mean? And it's funny because as a Knicks guy who's we've always been in that spot, like, man, where we've had drafts. Right. And the, and the screens come up like and it's like New York Knicks needs. And it just says like everything, you know what I mean? Across the bottom. Like so at that point, that's when you pick the best available player. Right. I mean, you need everything. You start somewhere. Right. So. In, in that regard, you know, like we, I'm looking at like a whole handful of, of different players. Um, there's a bunch of guys, man. Chris Chris Duarte is one guy that the Knicks have been looking at. He had a uh, solo practice with them today um, to get a better look. I feel like he's a guy that is kind of moving up the ladder a little bit. You know how like obviously there's some guys who as, you know, combines go on and workouts and things like that. Um, their draft stocks go up and down, you know, and I just feel like his has kind of been rising, you know, slowly. Um, right. So we might have to trade up to get him. You know, there's other people out there that think that he'll be there on the board when, um, you know, when we're we're up at 19. So hopefully he is, then we don't got to do too much. And, you know, maybe we do something else on the back end. Um, but he's a guy that I think fits right in pretty much. You know what I mean? You could pretty much throw him right into the starting lineup. I think his game is definitely developed, and I think that he would be a huge asset to the Knicks just in terms of um, his size, being able to shoot. Um, I think that that definitely would work out. And then there's guys also like Sharif Cooper, you know, that um, he gets thrown around a lot. And I think that anybody who lands a guy like him would definitely be, you know, be set also. Um there's a couple of guys, man, out here. Trey Mann's another one. Um, I, I liked Corey Kispert. I didn't really look into too many others, though. You know, like I, I saw a little bit of footage of Scotty Barnes. Um, but we know what the Knicks need. Like, you know, we need a point guard, obviously. We need to figure out that type of situation. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see what they end up doing. You know, I have a feeling that they're going to look to – like you said, go with a guy like Sexton, you know, Ball's name has been thrown around a lot. You know, I don't know who's going to look to, you know, throw him money and then it's on New Orleans to match it. You know what I mean? So we'll see what happens with that. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to a guy like Kyle Lowry. And it's funny because it goes back to what I was saying earlier, you know, in the show is that like there's really no clear cut path for the Knicks. 
You know what I mean? Like there's just so many different um, branches. Like, I don't know if you've watched Loki, Marvel's Loki on uh, Netflix recently. Um, but, you know, there's a sacred timeline. And, you know, when, sh- when shit gets, you know, effed up, you know, it starts branching and things, you know, start changing. And I feel like that's kind of like the point where we're at right now. Like we like you said, we established the culture. You know, we de- we definitely did. And I think that we took a huge step away from being a lottery team every single year and needing to get the top pick and, and tanking and all that stuff. We moved on. Right. So I feel like it's, I feel like it's just, we're at, we're at that point, you know, like, let's, let's see what we got. You know, um, I don't know what, I don't, I really don't know what they're going to do, you know, because yeah. there's, like I said, there's so many avenues. So I think that they're going to skip a point guard scenario in the draft and just look to get, like I said, a guy like Chris Duarte, he would definitely fit in. Um, if we ended up somehow trading some picks, moving up, and then you know buying back into the top half of the first round, I think that that might work too. I think there's a lot of talent in that you know top 15, uh, but it's it's also difficult to say because you don't know how it's going to translate to the to the league. You know what I mean? We've had some decent picks in the last you know couple of years. We had the eight pick, um, the nine pick. You know what I mean? Between guys with like you know Frankie Knox. Um, those guys right there, just they're all right. They never turned in. So it's just tough. And then you got guys like, um, uh, Michael Porter Jr. You get guys like Mikhail Bridges, you know what I mean? And, and things always shape up differently, man. People, people come out of their skin at different times. And I feel like it's tough to say, you know what I mean? Who's exact? Nobody knows, you know what I mean? Because everybody's going to come into their own situations and play a certain way. Like, look at this, like, the the jump that Trey Young took, you know, from last year to this year, like he's he's a bona fide star now, hundred percent. You can't take that away from him, you know. Even with the little rivalry that's going on between Atlanta and New York, you know. So I don't know. I think um, there's a handful of guys. Like I said, if we could end up somehow with a guy like Trey Man, I'm happy. Um, you know, Reef definitely. Uh, I'm a fan of him. There's a bunch, man. There's a bunch. What about you? Um, in the is there any guys that pique your interest? Not as a Knicks fan, but just in general. So I, I'm talking about like the guys and you know what I'm saying? Like the, the 12 to 20 range, you know what I mean? So what about like other guys that you've seen, you know, like what about Cade Cunningham? Like, where do you, how do you see those guys? He's definitely got to go number one. I don't see that changing at all. Well, I definitely think Cade is going number one. I, no matter who Detroit, is, I think is smoke screen saying they're willing to trade the number one pick, but no matter what, I think Cade is going number one. I think it's a smoke too, man. Yeah, I think like there's no way. Here's the thing. I look at this NBA draft and it's it kind of reminds me of coming right Jay, off Jalen Johnson. Draft. I forget to I forgot to mention him. He's another one I was watching, man. Yeah, I like him he's somebody nice. But I look at this NBA draft and I look at the, the plethora of talent. I mean, you name pretty much every guy that I would say would make sense for New York with 19 and then basically almost back to back with 21. Sharif Cooper makes a lot of sense when you talk about a true point guard because I think Emmanuel quickly would be that scoring guard that you could, you know, eventually where I think Sharif would be that he's the facilitator. I don't know how great of a scorer he can be in the league, but I think with having a facilitator and to bounce off of the manual quick, whether you have quickly as the starting point guard because of his scoring ability, and you bring Sharif off to facilitate and run that second offense. I think that makes a lot of sense or vice versa. You have Sharif Cooper running the, you know, and facilitating the first team offense and you have Emmanuel quickly six man coming off just being a straight bucket because that's typically what your six man is. You either need a guy who can fully run the offense or you need a guy who can just get a bucket. And I think between those two, you would have one or two of those options. 
Quiz uh, Dorte, I think he fits perfectly. Maybe he doesn't start. Maybe he comes immediately off the bench. I think he and would I, eventually, though. You know, he probably would eventually. But having nineteen and twenty-one, that's where you get into dangerous territory with yeah, a little bit. Team because of them being so good and having somewhere to build off of, the pressure of getting it right comes on because the oh, Knicks yeah, of course. Take a step back. I mean, I don't think they'll take a step back, but like the pressure is on now. Four seed in the Easter Conference, you can't take a step back. You know, it's typically it's only up from here. You have come from the down years, you've established a culture. Now, how do we build on this? And so I think this draft will be very key. And whether you trade these picks for a, a bona fide player who's going to fit the role that's perfect for the Knicks, like I said, Colin Sexton is a guy I go back to. But then you mentioned Lonzo Ball. And, like, the thing that people don't pay attention to with the Knicks outside of really, obviously, Knicks fans, not only do they have two first-round picks and the first pick in the second round, they got cap space. What is it, right. seven, six million in cap space, if I'm not mistaken? And so this is why... And, you know, your guy, Coach Fah, mentioned it, and I agree with him. Free agency should come before the draft. I think teams should be allowed to fill out their needs with veterans or guys who have been in the right. league already and then get their draft based on – because now you're going to draft guys and you'll be like, well, dang, this dude is interested here, but we've already established this position with a rookie. And right. so I don't think it's realistic to have – high expectations for a rookie like okay we're building off this he has to come in and be great for us to up our success that's just not fair to a rookie where if you have free agency all right we fill our needs now we could truly evaluate what we need in the draft because minus the draft this is what our roster looks like where some teams kind of shy away from what they have some teams will start to shy away from what they have uh in the draft like because they'll you know they'll look at okay boom we established this in draft, so now we shy away from a player like Lonzo Ball because we address the, the point guard situation. And it'd be like, well, this guy's not going to hit year one, but by year three, he's going to be a great player. So that's right. kind of the biggest thing before the draft. But I know you have to go that's here. That's tough, man. I was just going to say, like, it, if you get a guy like Trey Mann, right, now you're drafting a point guard. If you end up, like, uh, you know, with Reef, like, then obviously we're going to be looking to do something different in terms of the point guard. You know what I'm saying? So it's like – that's why it's it's kind of tough to say. I actually kind of like your idea, you know what I'm saying? Like switching it up and doing like a free agency yeah. first rather than, um, you know, rather than go draft and then free agency. But um, I think it's really – it's it's going to be telling, I think, when we do finish the draft because I think we'll have a better idea as to the direction of where the Knicks are going. That's the one thing the front office has been really great about this year. I don't know what's going on with my lighting, but it looks like it's definitely getting dark. If some, I don't know what's going on. But um, that's what's been great about this front office, man, is that it's like it's been so much more tight-lipped than it's ever been. So right. it's that's the best part. There's no little mishaps like you've seen in the past. So you don't got to hear no you know BS coming through the media and distracting everybody else from what's going on with the team, man. Because honestly, like that's all I really care about is what's going on on the floor, not all the bull crap that you hear, you know. Exactly. So real quick, before you go, I want to touch up. We've talked about the final thoughts. We've talked about what, what you expect to see in the offseason and the draft. So that leads up into we'll be going into next season after all this happens, obviously the offseason and the draft. So right. y'all have a successful season. Regardless of what anybody said, what the New York Knicks did this year was considered success. First off, making the playoffs, let alone being a top four seed in the playoffs. So to build off of that, 
you're not going to settle for anything less than that. So what's considered a success for the New York Knicks next season? I think just, you know, what I was kind of wading into a little bit earlier is that, you know, just being able to continue to build off of what we already did. You know what I mean? Because we did a lot last season. Like you said, we set a new culture, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's tough to, to you don't want to see them take a step back. So what does that mean? I think that that would mean just because it's not only just wins and losses, obviously wins and losses is what gets you into the playoffs, but at the end of the day, it's your gameplay, right? That determines the wins and losses. So it's like, I definitely just want to see them play consistently good ball the way that we did last year, add some things in the off season through the draft, through free agency to help upgrade certain positions. I think that if we can do so, we're just going to be able to do just that. You know what I mean? Build it and continue to take that next step, make the playoffs, um, hopefully get out of the first round, get to the second round. You know what I mean? I think that that's, that'll be a success uh, and a successful season is the next pretty much just continuing to keep doing what they're doing right now. You know, just keep bowling, keep playing defense first, keep, you know, practicing and preaching the right things and do the right things through free agency and, and the draft in terms of our needs. And I think that we'll be all right. I think that they've proved that they're a competent group. And I think that they also proved that they're not going to pay too high of a price, which we've done many times in the past. I'm just going to say, i.e. Noah, i.e. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. for, you know, for example. Um, mm-hmm. So I just think that we're kind of past that. I'm, I'm looking forward to what we're going to be doing. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to the draft next Thursday. Um, and like I said, it'll definitely help give us an idea as to what they're thinking moving forward because it's, it's tough to it's tough to throw darts right now. You know, you could get an idea, but who knows, man? They've been great. Dude, I, I thank you for everything, man, for sure. It's been a, a great conversation. I got to get you coming through the next corner, bro. Yeah, 100%. I mean, so there y'all have it. My guy Danny B comes on, and we talk everything Knicks, and it's been a great show. So, Danny B, before you go, you know, and you, and you make your gracious exit on Up in Flames. Just tell the people where they can find you and what to look forward to if you have any projects that you could get us in on. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. And I appreciate that for sure. So I'm at Dan underscore NY underscore B on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, my channel that I put all my content under is called The Next Corner. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, YouTube, everywhere else. It's the next corner. You search that, you'll find all my morning drives. Every morning after the game, I do a two-minute recap, put it right out on Twitter, upload it to YouTube and all those streaming services after. And then right now, during the offseason, I do a show with Coach Fa every Saturday at noon. We're live, Twitter, YouTube, do all that. Um, and it's noon every Saturday. And I have guests coming through, guys like Anthony MSG, Jonathan Macri. Um, I got Chris Percy Einan on this week. Last week, I had CK2K. Um, and it's just a ton of fun. You know, we have some great conversations. And as I mentioned earlier, I've been doing Twitter spaces also. I've been doing uh, a couple shows like once every couple weeks, getting some guys in. We've been getting a, a pretty good crowd and we just chop it up. You know, just Knicks fans, just throwing different ideas out, our thoughts. And um, I've been getting those also onto the streaming services. So like I said, man, at Dan underscore NY underscore B right there. And uh, at the next corner, man, that's where you'll find me. So, Mo, thank you, man. I appreciate you. Appreciate everybody listening. Thank you for tapping in. Thank you for having me. Yeah, 100%. It was only right to get you on Dash Radio, put you on a great platform to talk about the Knicks. 
So, Danny B, I will catch up with you later as I continue on the show and just talk about a little bit of the NBA Finals, but we will catch back up. So, Danny B, I will catch you later. Thank you, bro. Absolutely, Mo. Appreciate it, man. We'll talk soon, bro. Be good. 100%. All right, later. So, there you have it. I had my guy, Danny B, for a few minutes, you know, uh, for a great show. But now I want to talk about the NBA Finals in I want to wrap up and I want to talk about Giannis. I want to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis finally getting his championship. And I want to talk about, you know, what what it means for Giannis to ultimately get his championship because there's been a lot of there's been a lot of rumblings in where Giannis could land, you know, in the in the um I apologize. Where Giannis could land in the all-time list. And I know a lot of people are saying he's on the trajectory. To have a top 10 all time, you know, all time player and maybe even in the top five and maybe he has a case for a goal argument. I mean, what he's done up to this point, you know, two MVPs, a finals MVP, uh, NBA championship, a defensive player of the year, comeback player of the year. I mean, when we go on and on about what Giannis has done up to this point at the age of 26, his, his resume is probably second to none. Uh, up to the age of 26. But what I do want to say is hold on, hold on, hold on. Bruh. To Giannis being already considered, you know, the second greatest power forward. Let's not take away from what Dirk Nowitzki has done. Let's not take away from Kevin Garnett. Let's not take away from the guys like Charles Barkley. Let's not take away from guys like Carl Malone, who's on the all-time scoring list. I know he won the championship, and I know we want to be prisoners of the moment. But... Slow down. Giannis is a great player. Giannis very well could be considered one of the greatest players of all time. Giannis very well could jump into your top 10 of all time, but slow down on being prisoners of the moment. That's what sometimes can irk me about us sports fans is we become prisoners of the moment and Giannis won a championship. I fully understand it. And he has two MVPs. He has a finals MVP on top of winning a championship and he did it quote-unquote, the right way by winning a championship without building a super team. But let's not downplay. Let's not let Giannis control the narrative and downplay the teammates he had. He had Drew Holiday, a former All-Star. He had Chris Middleton, who has been in the All-Star game the past two years. They went and got P.J. Tucker. They have a Brooke Lopez, who was a really good center throughout his time in the league. They got Bobby Portis, who ended up stepping up. What, what, what a great acquisition to have Bobby Portis they had his brother who didn't do much, but that's his brother. So I just had to throw up, you know, some, some love to Thanasis Antetokounmpo for being his brother and showing him support throughout the season and letting him know that he's the man because sometimes that's what your brother can do is just let you know he's the man. But Giannis Antetokounmpo is a great player, and I expect him to be great for years to come. But to already put him at the second greatest power forward, I think it's too early. I do. I think it's way too early to put Giannis as the second greatest power forward of all time because it takes away from some all-time greats that have come before him, the Kevin Garnett's of the world who already has who has a championship, the Dirk Nowitzki's who has a championship and a finals MVP, uh, one or two MVPs on his belt. I can't remember accurately how many he does. But Dirk Nowitzki was a great player. So let's not take away from that by throwing and being prisoners of the moment and having that recency bias in, in throwing his trajectory and what he can be when his career is all said and done right now at this moment. And so shout out to Giannis, shout out to the Milwaukee Bucks for winning the NBA championship. Giannis, you did it. 
and I know you're loving it. You ordered the 50 piece at Chick-fil-A, not 51, not 49, but you ordered the 50 piece at Chick-fil-A and I know you're enjoying it and enjoy it. it. You're supposed to enjoy a championship. You're supposed to love what you did. You accomplished something that a small percentage of players can say that they have. Look at some of the great players that never won a championship. Allen Iverson, James Harden, Chris Paul, who you beat to get a championship, who was looking to solidify, you know, who was looking to solidify his legacy by adding a championship to his career. So you were able to beat him. You were able to beat a rolling Phoenix Suns team who practically dominated the Western Conference Finals and was very unexpected. But I'm just going to keep saying it. Let's not be prisoners of the moment. Giannis has an opportunity to be the greatest power forward of all time. But do realize Tim Duncan is the greatest power forward of all time. Let's realize that. And what Chris or what Tim Duncan has done as a power forward, he has five championships in San Antonio. He stayed with one team his whole career. He did it the right way with arguably one of the greatest coaches of all time, with the greatest six man of all time, with Tony Parker, with one of the greatest dynasties of all time we've seen in San Antonio. So let's not discredit Tim Duncan for being one of the top 10 to 12 greatest players of all time. We, we already want to put Giannis there and he's played how many he's played how many seasons and we want to put him there with right behind Tim Duncan creeping on his heels with one championship. Tim Duncan got five. Let's calm down on the whole putting Giannis Antetokounmpo as the second greatest power forward. Let's let him get another championship. Let's have him let, let's let him get another two to three years of dominance. Dirk Nowitzki is the greatest shooting power forward of all time. His three ball was second to none. His fadeaway was second to none. Maybe you could compare it to Kobe Bryant's fadeaway. But let's just calm down on what we do with Giannis Antetokounmpo because we may put him in a realm and now he's in that Kevin Durant and LeBron James category. He's in that Steph, Steph Curry category. It's championship or bust from here on. So now he's having to deal, you know, with different, you know, with different responsibilities. He's having to deal with different pressures because it's championship or bust from here on out. If Giannis doesn't win the championship, it's not a successful season. We talk about LeBron finally losing a first-round series in year 18. It wasn't a successful season. We talk about Kevin Durant falling to Giannis Antetokounmpo, whether we want to say due to injury or not. But Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets did not have a successful season because they didn't hoist up that championship. Kevin Durant wasn't able to hoist up that finals MVP. Had he won finals MVP if they won a championship? So now Giannis is in that realm. So let's calm down on the Giannis talk. Giannis is a great player. I expect Giannis to dominate through his prime. And let's calm down on Giannis needs to shoot a jump shot. If he's considered the greatest power forward of all time, Tim Duncan was not a great jump shooter. He was the big fundamental. He was able to do everything in the paint that he needed to do to get the job done to win championships. So let's allow Giannis to be in that aspect. The three ball isn't fading away, but it's slowly realizing we don't need the three ball to win a championship. The Milwaukee Bucks did it, and they didn't shoot the three ball at a, at a, at a great rate. But Giannis dominated the paint. He dominated DeAndre Ayton. He got him into foul trouble. So let's just go ahead and take Giannis for what he is. He's a great player so far. And he, he, and he maybe when it's all said and done, he does jump in the top 10. But we can't deem these guys after one championship that they were one of the 10 greatest players of all time. Because you're talking about, you're putting him in a category with LeBron James, with Michael Jordan, with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, with Hakeem Olajuwon, with Shaquille O'Neal, you know, the late, great Kobe Bryant, rest in peace. Tim Duncan, 
That's who we're putting him in. Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. That's the category we're putting in. Giannis after one championship. So I'm going to close out on that. Shout out to Giannis. Shout out to the Milwaukee Bucks. Everybody go follow me at Up at Flames Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Go follow me at Mo underscore Cheese 15 for my personal account on Twitter and Instagram. And make sure if you're supporting Off the Ball Network, go to OffTheBallNetwork.com for all your sports needs and entertainment. And also go to MyBookie.ag using promo code Off the Ball in all caps. They match 50% of your first deposit up to $1,000. So if you're a gambling man and you love listening to my show, and also before we close out, make sure if you're staying to listen to me, on, here on Dash Radio on Nothing But Nothing channel, continue to tune in because my guy, my big brother, a guy I look up to, a guy that put me on and got me here, Chris LeBron, is coming on off the ball show, coming right after this, 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Central, and 9, uh, 11 a.m. Central, I apologize, 9 a.m. Pacific. For you folks on the West Coast, I was there at one point, so I understand. But make sure you continue to tune in because my guy Chris LeBron is coming on on Off the Ball Pod. So make sure you tune in and listen in. Danny B, I appreciate you for coming on. I appreciate everybody for tuning in and listening. Make sure you go subscribe to Off the Ball Network on YouTube. Make sure you go surprise. So make sure you go subscribe to Up in Flames on YouTube. And on that note, Up in Flames is out. <laughs>